Hello and welcome to Molecule to Market, where we go inside the outsourcing space of the global drug development sector. I'm your host, Roman Segal, and in today's episode, I'll be talking about the pharma and biotech supply chain with Joyal Silva, General Manager at Pfizer Center One. Joyal has spent over 20 years with Pfizer, moving from regional roles to senior global positions. She was named as a rising star by Healthcare Businesswoman Association in 2012. And fast forward to 2020, Joyal has just been listed in the 2020 Medicine Maker Power List, one of only 15 women listed. I've had the privilege of working with Joyal and seeing her leadership skills close up. So I'm really excited to have her on the show today, as she's certainly one of the most charismatic, bold, and dare I say, inspirational leaders that I've come across. So it's an absolute honor to have her on the show. Hey, Joyal, welcome to the show. Thanks, Ramon, and thanks for having me. Wow, what what an intro. So uh, I hope I can live up to all those things you said. Really uh, excited to uh, to be here today and uh, kind of fun for folks to understand how we met and uh, how we've gotten connected. So happy to be here. Thanks. Thank you. And so just to, just to start off with, it'd be really good to tell listeners a little bit about you and, and what you do at Pfizer Center One. Yeah, sure. So uh, I'm currently the general manager of Pfizer Center One, and Pfizer Center One is a an embedded CDMO within Pfizer, and it's been around for um, about the past 40 to 60 years within the organization. We started off as uh, organization that just produced APIs and intermediates out of our Kalamazoo, Michigan site. So very early building blocks for materials for solid oral dose medicines. And then we've moved into more contract manufacturing through sterile injectables and biologics. Uh, we provide a tremendous value back to Pfizer in that we obviously help to provide value to back to Pfizer so that we can make medicines for other companies um, and bring those products to patients. So it's completely a way to give back. And that is the most important thing that gets me out of bed in the morning and keeps me motivated is knowing that we have the capability to do so much good, even if it's not a product that we've come up with on our own at Pfizer, though we do a lot of that as well, that it's something that really is going to make a difference in a patient's life because at the end of the day, I don't know about you, Ramon, but especially in the times that we're in, at some point we are all patients and it's great to know we have so many folks on our side. Oh, absolutely. I think that's a really good point. And it's it's almost one of the things that in the day-to-day of working within this sector that we almost not forget about the patient, certainly, but it's one of those things that we have to be mindful of, of that what we do in this sector can impact, you know, our parents, our children, our, our partners. So I absolutely, yeah, I think you've, you've underlined a really important point. And so, so let's rewind the clock a little bit, Joy. I'll tell us kind of where you're from and, you know, where you went to school and, and how did you end up in the pharma sector? Yeah. So um, the more I talk, the more you would probably pick up that I do have an accent. I'm proud of it. <laughs> I, I won't <laughs> probably ever lose it. So though I'm a New Yorker now, uh, I am originally from a very small town in South Carolina. So I'm an only child. Um, my dad ran a Sears franchise store and my mom was a hair and makeup consultant. So I got a little bit of business and a little bit of uh, maybe some fashion sense at an early age. But I think the thing that mattered the most growing up um, for me that really started was a, a true focus on helping people um, in need, whatever that may be. So I saw my family help any neighbors, friends, parents, uh, you know, brothers, sisters, they all had big extended families. And it was always this 
this culture that you could really count on someone else in a time of need to have your back. So as I approached uh, leaving high school and going into college, I initially started in uh, nursing school and uh, for several years I worked as a nursing assistant. And looking back on those days, I'm 100% positive that that, you know, shaped who I am. Uh, mm -hmm. I was like 18 years old. I was working night shifts in a hospital where my main duty was to take care of patients who candidly were either leaving the hospital to go to their heavenly home or leaving their the hospital to go into hospice. So it was more of an end of life uh, care unit. And though initially I kind of wondered how I would manage with that dynamic, I, I really over time enjoyed taking care of patients and seeing their families come in and feeling like that you could actually have an impact. Um, from just a small act of kindness. And I share that story because I left college. Um, I changed my degree from nursing to biology and medical humanities. I left school. I began my career with Pfizer as a sales representative. And uh, I felt for me that was the, it was kind of a jumping off uh, point. Uh, mm -hmm. It had the science because I was excited about the pharmaceuticals that were coming out at that time. It was the era of big blockbuster medicines. And I was also pretty excited about having the opportunity to talk to clinicians and to nurses about patient care and having that background and experience from my hospital days, it was really a, a great space to be. So I started my career as a representative, went through different roles and different leadership challenges, leading from an individual contributor to leading teams. And it, at several points, I guess, kind of across, I would say there were promotions, there were steps sideways, there were steps back. <laughs> and uh, I found myself here as the general manager of Pfizer Center One through spending some time in leading big regions, um, leading U.S. business, global business, and really making sure I could attach that focus on giving back to others uh, mm -hmm. with the business within Pfizer, where you have plenty of opportunities to do that across operations, marketing, uh, sales, key account management. And those are just a few of the different roles that I've been very, very grateful uh, to have had. Great. And one thing that you mentioned there, which I think is you know, really interesting and I actually think is quite rare in, in this sector is that kind of firsthand um, access and experience you had early on in your career in dealing with, with patients, particularly what it sounds like quite vulnerable elderly patients. And d do you find that that experience has an impact on, on what you have done in your career and certainly what you do today? I, I imagine you're forever mindful of of those people that that you you know you spend time with and just the impact on families does it does it kind of impact your daily role and how you go about doing your job I, I try to make sure that it's my guiding force. Um, I would love to tell you that every single day that's my guiding barometer. And, you know, at the heart of it, I think that I try to make that. Uh, I do feel that we all get caught up in business decisions or things that are happening in our personal or professional life. But if, if you want to know a great day for me, it's a day where I've been able to do 
one small thing for someone else. That could be a phone call to someone I work with on our team. It could be a pick me up call that someone reaches out to me. It could be calling my mom, having a phone call with a best friend. Uh, it, you know, giving back is really kind of the, the moral compass and making sure that you're, you're not always thinking about yourself. You're thinking of how, just how could I do one small thing each day to make a difference for someone else? And uh, uh, yeah, try to, try to, when you do that, you automatically, I mean, it is, I guess in some ways a little self-serving if you really are, are genuine and authentic about it because you will feel a boost. Uh, yeah. But you also, you know, you also are in a way inviting that reciprocity back into your own life. So I, oh, I can't think of a, of a better way. It's funny. I mean, you've just you've just prompted a little story from from yesterday. So at the time of recording, we're we're right in the middle of obviously the spread of coronavirus uh, in in North America, but across the world as well. And, and yesterday we were, uh, I was playing out in the yard with my with my children and um, the the kind of male I don't want to say mailman, but the male lady. I'm not sure what the American equivalent is. The post lady we'd say in the UK is. So she came to to deliver our post, and we decided to give her a bottle of wine. Just and she said, "Oh, what what what's this?" And I said, "Oh, it's just a just a little thank you from us for you know continuing your job and you know and and bringing our mail." And honestly, her face just lit up, and she she literally said, "That is the nicest thing anyone's done, and it's so uplifting." And oh. I, I then I, I then tried to and then I sat with my kids on, in the in the garden and I explained to them why why you know we'd done it and why we decided to do it and um and my youngest said and I bet you it makes you feel good as well and I went you know what it really did make me feel good so it was just I know I know and it was it's exactly what you said though doing little acts of kindness like that can can be it so and I tried to explain to my kids it not only is it good for you, kind of your own soul but it's it's the impact you have on other people's like, like that could have made her day yesterday. And I suspect she went home and talked about it and, and that type of thing. And it's just, yeah, those tiny things, but anyway. Yeah. And I wish, I mean, I, w I kind of wish in some ways, so in the industry that we're in, and maybe this is something, you know, as your listener base is interested in, but in, in thinking about the, the way that plays itself out in business is right now I see so many different people, you know, it could be, it could not just be through Pfizer center one, but through other people that touch us either in the supply chain that are a supplier back to us that somehow impact patients. Um, another competitor, there is such, um, out, outpouring and outreach to solve this global pandemic. And it yeah. does often make you scratch your head and say, in the spirit of we all want to be competitive and we all want to get our therapies to market and win, um, there is so much I think that we can all learn for what it truly means to do something for one another. You know, the, the hashtag in it together is something that I'm hopeful doesn't just go away with this or become the next fad, but it really is a, a true business principle because there has not ever been a team that I've worked on or had the opportunity to lead where the best ideas came from me. That is, that is not happen. <laughs> that hasn't happened. And I would proclaim to any listener that if you're the leader and you're coming up with all the best ideas, you probably don't have the right team or you're talking. To <laughs> I'm just, I'm encouraged that throughout this pretty horrific situation that our entire globe is in, that maybe we're going to be able to learn some critically valuable lessons. And I've already been so impressed with not only how industry is coming together and governments are coming together, but you know, just how it's unfortunate that it's taken this type of situation, but hopefully these yeah. will be lessons that, you know, that keep us going for the long term. 
No, I agree. And I think that's a really, a really kind of important um, message to, to get across. And you mentioned something there about kind of leadership. And I think one thing I've seen kind of working with you and seeing you kind of lead your team is kind of what a, what a bold kind of leader you are. So um, and, and in a sense, I suspect you know, younger people starting their career, uh, in, particularly in the pharmaceutical sector, will look at your career trajectory and be incredibly impressed by how you've gone from you know, those regional roles in Pfizer to a, a global role. And, you know, what, what piece of advice would you give to kind of other leaders in the sector or other kind of people developing a career in the, in the life science space? Yeah. Uh, I think the one piece that everyone could probably relate to is when you, it's okay, when you don't know something, use that as a, uh, as fuel for use your curiosity as fuel for learning about the things that you're interested in. And that, that I know that can seem maybe a bit superficial. So as an example, you know, um, I took a role once where I was an alliance manager for um, this big alliance that we did for an immuno-oncology asset. And I didn't know the first thing about commercial development or I knew there were phases of drug development, but I hadn't had that firsthand experience. What I did know was how to lead teams, how to get people to work together and how to move the needle from an operational perspective. But in those early days, if I had one thing that I would have done differently is that I wish I would have asked even more questions about the things that I didn't know. Mm -hmm. Uh, At the time, I thought it might perhaps show my weakness. And in looking back, I learned some very valuable lessons on that those couple of years of my life, which is embrace that uncertainty, ask the questions that you think that other people may think that you should know. It's completely okay to do that. In doing that, you're going to find out, you're going to learn more, you're going to create a safe space for other people to also ask those questions, and you're going to gain credibility. Because um, it just, you know, I was working, and, and I still find today in my current role, there are so many experts scientific expertise, marketing expertise, manufacturing expertise, you know, the people that I have the privilege of working with on a daily basis completely outsmart me in pedigree and schooling (laughs) and a lot of things that that doesn't matter. What matters is that what we can create together is something way better than what we could have done alone. But the only way you're able to unlock that value is to be curious so my advice yeah. is be curious. And when you ask those questions, you're also going to find out you know, something. Other people have lots of ideas of, you know, what should you do when you grow up? What do you want to be? What industry should you um, should you go into? What I would say is trust your gut for what you really like and be curious enough to do some exploration. And in that curiosity, you're going to find sometimes that things people tell you to do are really not things that you're very interested in. And if you're not interested, don't force it. Don't go there. It won't be something that you'll be ultimately happy with. So, yeah, I, I love that. I think that's, that's absolutely great advice. And uh, that curiosity factor is something I, I certainly see. And, you know, one of the messages I often say to my team, you know, is there are no silly questions, right? Just not, <laughs> no one knows everything. So don't assume everyone knows everything and don't be afraid to ask, ask questions. And, and not that on that point. So one of the things I find, and I suspect, you know, when you're leading a team or you're leading a business, like, like, you know, like you are that almost people, you know, they, they think you're perfect, right. That you don't make mistakes and you don't <laughs> get things wrong. And, um, you know, they, they almost 
put you on a pedestal of you know that this person's you know doing everything perfect so are there any are there any things that you have to work on constantly like almost weaknesses or flaws in your makeup that um mean that you have to spend more time so for example I'm I am easily distracted. I mean, anyone who works with me can tell you that I'm that I, I love ideas, so I cannot stop my brain thinking about ideas. But that also then means I constantly work on trying to focus and be be productive and work on one thing at a time. So, is there anything like that that you've that you know that has been a constant battle for you that you're you're continually trying to improve? Yeah. How long is this podcast? (laughs) Um, There's one big one and uh, I struggle with it now. I've struggled with it for a while. I try to do the best that I can. And I think for the people that work with me, the number one way that, um, that I try to always go about it is to, to, again, be very blunt up front and say, this is my behavior. This is what I want you to know as a watch out. If you ever have questions about it, like, let me know. So what is this mat? What is this thing? Um, I, given the curiosity, oftentimes have questions or ideas, or I understand why we're doing it this way, but what if we did it another way? Um, what if, uh, you know, how can we think about this a bit differently as it relates to the impact that we're providing? And so, you know, asking those questions before you ask them as a leader, when you're in a leadership position, you really have to create the right culture so that the, the people that you're working with on your team or that you're highly matrixed in understand that you're not asking to challenge whether their inherent assumptions are right or wrong. You're mm-hmm. asking to develop the idea more fully and make and hopefully with the hopes of making it better. And um, I have to be cautious with that. And the, the reason why is because, you know, otherwise people may think, well, there's nothing I bring in that's immediately a go or, yeah. you know, there's no idea that's not going to need tweaking. That That's not it at all. I, I quite enjoy being part of the creative process. And I would rather sit with the team and brainstorm what we're going to do then how I combat against it is when we lock it down, we're not deviating. Then we go into execution mode. So um, I think I just, I've just had to be very honest with people to say, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to ask some questions to seek understanding here, but I'm also going to ask questions to challenge a bit. Let's everybody, you know, kind of put our egos aside and the work that we've done aside and, and kind of get it rooted. And that's where specifically at Pfizer with the, the vision of um, the breakthroughs that change patients' lives. It's been something quite compelling to anchor everyone back on. That's good. That's very good. You're listening to Molecule to Market, where we go inside the outsourcing space of the global drug development sector. The podcast for professionals working in the pharma and biotech contract services space. And... Let, let's rewind the clock. You, you, you mentioned towards the uh, kind of start of, of the episode, you know, talk about when we met and I can actually pinpoint the moment we actually met. Because, oh no. <laughs> um, so I, you know, one of your team, it's, you know, you mentioned or Joyelle's now the, the leader of Center One, et cetera, et cetera. And we were in New York at DCAT and I think mm-hmm. it was the Life Science Leader Awards. And um, uh, one of your colleagues introduced me to you. And I remember the first thing I said to you, and I think it made you laugh. From I was like, "Wow, you are much younger than I thought you would be," <laughs> and 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 you burst out laughing. And I think you just thought I was hilarious because, um, just because I, I just kind of came out and said it. And 
and that, that kind of leads me to, to a point around, you know, you are you know, a young female leader in, in the pharmaceutical sector. And I, and I mentioned in my introduction around the fact that you've been named in, um, you know, the medicine makers kind of list. So, so my question is around kind of first, you know, how, how does it feel to be in, in that list and, and amongst the kind of elite, um, you know, of the, of the sector and also the kind of second part of that is, I know you're very passionate about kind of, uh, you know, women in business and breaking through the kind of glass ceiling and that type of thing. And so if, you, if you're open to kind of talking a little bit about the work that you do in there and, mm-hmm. uh, and, and one phrase that I, see, I saw in one of the articles that you've written, which I absolutely adore was, you know, for, for any young leader is, you know, get comfortable with being uncomfortable. So if you can talk a little bit about, you know, first what, it, what it's like to be named in that list and how, you know, how, how it felt to find out and also what that potentially does in terms of giving you a platform to help other kind of female leaders, particularly in the in the pharmaceutical and uh, biotech industry that we work in. Yeah, no, thanks so much. Um, first of all, I was, uh, you know, big, big shout out to the medicine maker and um, their selection. I was, I mean, humbled is not, there's no, I don't even know the right word to use. Um, <laughs> I mean, I looked at the issue and saw all the other folks, um, which a huge congratulations to my counterparts. And I was like, wow, this feels really amazing. Um, it also feels uh, quite daunting because there's also several expectations that of course I place upon myself and upon the people that I mentor and, and the future me that I hope to become uh, of how can I use this as a platform um, to, to talk about what the industry can do for patients. Again, it kind of comes back to, you know, the 18 year old nursing assistant walking into the hospital to do a night. <laughs> um, it, it really um, has been quite humbling. What I'm finding and I'm encouraged by, you know, given I think the platform that I have and that other women across the industry in biotechnology have is to bring to the forefront that we're shaping that being a female and being a senior leader of an organization, you know, there is no specific way to do that, right? There's Mm -hmm. no roadmap of what that specifically looks like. So if you are in the life science industry today and, you know, like me, you're leading a contract manufacturing organization if you were to draw that on a piece of paper, what does that even look like? You yeah, know? exactly. Um, yeah, very true. So I'm pretty encouraged by that. I have, you know, peers of mine that are top scientists um, that are leading asset teams into new development areas. I have other um, counterparts of mine that are in manufacturing who are changing the way that we're thinking about building our supply chains within the industry. And then I'm also pretty encouraged with the amount of female leaders that we are starting to see in government relations and in in many governments as a driving force for change. Uh, so that be, having equity is a critical value at Pfizer, but it's also a really important value, not just gender diversity, but, you know, equitable diversity, diversity of thought. Uh, yeah. Those are those are really things that we strive for. I, 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 that's a really interesting point. And I, um, what you said there about the leader, the kind of leadership piece at the end. And one thing I found spending many, ta- kind of many hours or, you know, nights at meals or at bars, you know, having a beer with, with, with senior leaders like yourself is this innate desire not to stop and, and feel like, Hey, I've made it. One characteristic <laughs> I see in all these leaders is just they're always looking forward, right? They're not looking back. Yeah. And so exactly what you said there, I think is absolutely, um, certainly bang on in, in terms of what I've experienced. And, yeah. And it, 
I would, I would add one thing. Yeah, no, I what, didn't mean to interrupt you, but I would add one thing, which is, um, you know, what's kind of interesting for me is, uh, the, I mean, I was super, again, super humbled in any type of that type of recognition. I feel like if it can highlight what we do for patients, it's great. And, you know, if it's, if it's a plug for women in diverse leadership, that's great. <laughs> but for me, um, so when I won the award, uh, my husband shared it with like a couple of our neighbors that live near us. Um, just as, as you know, we were having a chat and I got to tell you there, there wasn't for me any higher compliment <laughs> and oh. it was kind of an interesting dynamic that things can be a work accolade, but you know, it was really when uh, my family took notice or said, Hey, I'm really proud of you. Uh, I didn't realize kind of how much that was going to mean. So that's another thing to your point. Uh, since you brought it up about taking time to actually just let that compliment or that platform sink in a bit, even if it is something professional for me, the work is deeply personal. And so, um, you know, having that as a sense of pride and, uh, something that I feel like is a contribution that spans who, who I am, uh, not just who I am at work, but what I can bring home was, was really, was something that was really special. Oh, that's, that's beautiful. And, uh, you know, the kind of pride that your family probably have in you, you know, for, for achieving that is a, is a great thing. And you kind of mentioned family and my next question, kind of a slight kind of left turn is, so tell me how, how would your best friend describe you in three words? <laughs> Oh, um, uh, uh, kind, I think. Um, so my best friend, yeah, is like, is, is uh, my childhood friend that I've known since so I was, was going to say, do you have, so, do, you, do you have someone in mind when you're answering? Oh yeah, I, I do. Um, her name's Danielle. <laughs> she lived across the street from me. I was in kindergarten. She was in the first oh. or second grade. And, um, when we met, she had like a little pink bike and she kept riding up and down the street and we had just moved in and I, I so badly wanted to just be her friend. So I kept riding my bicycle up and down the <laughs> driveway, hoping that she would stop because I wasn't allowed to leave the driveway. It was kind of a thing. So um, nevertheless, we have been friends, you know, since kindergarten uh, for me. So a, a really long time. And I think, you know, she would say that I'm kind, um, uh, I'm devoted. So when you, uh, when you want me to do something and I tell you, I'm going to do it, my word is pretty lock solid. Uh, and mm -hmm. I think I'm also very loyal to, uh, sometimes to a fault, but loyal. Those would be good. If you. If Danielle was with us today, that's probably the three things she would say. Or she would say, she's lying. She's totally, yeah, she's, she's, she's none of those things. Not what she thinks she is, but she's really, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you should call her and ask her to this podcast and then I'll just bow out. <laughs> So one thing you said there, which is, is kind of a, uh, you said devoted and kind of, you know, when you say you're going to do something and, and one thing that I've certainly seen in, in the Pfizer center one business is when, when you joined that organization, you know, I recall, uh, you know, a colleague, a few colleagues kind of, you know, excited by your arrival, but at the same time, there was almost a sense of skepticism that anyone could change the way that business has operated and kind of take it into it into a new era and interestingly as, as time has passed by and i've had similar conversations with those people you know, you know two years down the line one thing i've 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 seen is hey joyelle's really changing things she's really moving things so you know when you say you're devoted something to you know it's not just your friends and family but it's also your your work and that kind of leads me quite nicely on to kind of talk about some of the kind of changes that you've mm -hmm. you've implemented at, at center one in your time there and, and also just any exciting things going on there as a business uh, that, that you're able to share 
Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I think the we were, you know, the Pfizer Center One organization when I came on board and had the chance to to take on this new role. So, you know, my, my background is not in manufacturing. It's more from a commercial perspective. So uh, when I came on board, there was a lot to learn. And I think the most important thing for me was there was always already such a solid foundation. But what I realized is kind of the, you know, what got us here won't get us there. And that the business, um, given kind of what we were going to be facing in the upcoming years, which is, we were still going to have to deliver um, successful tech transfers of some of Pfizer's products as they're divested into you know, rightful ownership. But then we were also starting to see growth opportunities to take on additional customers in the early development space in phase one and two and offer sterile injectables as well as solid oral dose and biologics. So we were almost kind of entering this era where our personnel had changed, our access to the Pfizer network had changed, and the market um, was seeing a tremendous growth and opportunity. And through our team, we've been able to move the needle to achieve growth in the business last year, and then also to be on a growth trajectory. Uh, and we've done so by really focusing on what are the key things that are going to make the most difference? So for Pfizer Center One, it was, you know, there are a lot of CDMO options and for, we are not the option for many people. Let me just mm -hmm. say that first and foremost. Um, we are unique. We offer an intelligent collaboration with Pfizer resources, expertise, and science. We take our IP seriously and our firewalls seriously, and we take our um, sustainability for the environment and our product supply very seriously. So for certain customers that are looking for a CDMO and they want kind of the, the Pfizer level of expertise of science and manufacturing behind it, then we make an excellent choice because we built the right team and processes where now we are truly delivering it. Um, the one thing I would say that I do see is a huge trend and it's almost a parallel forces type of dynamic. There's so many patients um, that depend on generic medicines for treatment. Uh, and it, it could be, it could even be a branded, but mostly generics that are in the solid oral dose space. Um, you know, there's a huge percentage in the market that really depends on solid oral dose. So mm -hmm. we continue to make that for patients. But what I'm really encouraged by is a lot of the opportunity that we have for personalized medicine um, that's truly curative in nature and can help patients live longer through cures. So I'm excited, even though sometimes I will tell you that it's tough to play in both of those spaces <laughs> because some people yeah. are like, wait a minute, what do you do? Are you on one side <laughs> or the other? Um, and, and my answer is always, we can be both. Uh, it's worthy of a conversation. So I think that's yeah. the dynamic trend we're starting to see in the market right now. Yeah, and I, and I absolutely love something you said there around, you know, Pfizer Center One is is not for, for every customer. And I think that is... <clears throat> Certainly in marketing terms is one of the things that I say to any new client or business that I've ever come across is anyone that says to me, hey, we're, you know, we're targeting anyone and everyone. You're like, oh, God, this is going to be hard. You know, unless you're Amazon or Facebook or whoever, that's a very uh, that's a very difficult thing to do. So I think just having that clarity over who you're relevant for and who you're meaningful for, I think is a really smart way of of actually uh, looking at the market. And it reminds me of a, a story or a, an article that I read a few years ago, which is uh, 
I'm sure at some point in your type in your life, uh, Joyal, you've gone to a um, a Hollister or Abercrombie and Fitch store. <laughs> yeah, guilty. And, um, and 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 the article talked about when you when you go into a, one of these stores and when you find it too loud and too dark, you are not now part of that target audience. <laughs> You were, you've moved I, on it's you're basically well, you know when you go in there and you're like this is too loud it's too the smell is too strong there's too many young people that is your cue to get out of that store and that the, the brand is designed around people that are younger than, than you are and it always resonated with me as a way of just kind of reminding me that you know you're not the target audience for everyone, just certain brands. And uh, and so yeah. I was going to ask you a little bit. Of, I mean, you started talking about, um, I was certainly going to ask about, you know, the market at large and any trends in the outsourcing space that, that you're you're seeing or that you predict. And it was interesting what you said towards the back end of your last answer um, where you, you talked about kind of a business being able to potentially support with biologics and, and OSD and actually having a very, almost a hybrid model to be able to support clients uh, you know for whatever whatever they need is that something that you're expecting to see in the future kind of more of these dare I say hybrid type businesses or um, you know is, is there anything else that you could say ar- along that matter yeah I mean I know there's a lot of marketing across the CDMO industry that's you know the end-to-end like we can we can do everything um, for Pfizer Center one you know we can but it depends on what the it depends on our partner and what they actually need and what we have available because obviously the advantage of being within a, a large organization that's part of Pfizer's uh, manufacturing network is that we have access uh, but it doesn't mean that we have everything available when you know, a customer may want it. When you look at the the CDMO lens, you have big sectors that do, um, that the specialty is really providing a huge volume of medicines that are not incredibly complex to make. And they they utilize, you know, traditional mechanisms and that's medicines for the globe. And then you Mm -hmm. have the super special, it's going to be more of a you know, gene therapy or something that is just highly specialized where given the nature of the product, it's going to take years and years to come to market um, and it's going to truly be curative for a patient. But I guess the point is there's been so much focus on biologics. They are critically important, but look at the massive amounts of medicines that are used today that are not biologic, that are Mm -hmm. tried and true. You know, some of them we're starting to see come back as part of COVID-19 that people are starting to rely on more and more. Yeah, that's great. And just just last couple of questions, because I'm conscious that I'm taking up a lot of your time, but that's fine because I love talking to you. And I think this has been a, you know, really insightful episode for for the listeners and you know are there any kind of causes and uh, or passions that that you're champion you, you strike me as someone that probably is supporting <laughs> lots of things in your spare time is there anything in particular that uh, that's passionate uh, for you and that's important to you uh you want something fun or something serious <laughs> well, I, I would always go for fun over serious <laughs> but if you want to talk about both that would be really interesting to to know if you're able to share yeah yeah so um why don't we start on the fun side so um let me start by saying i'm not really i don't necessarily enjoy always working out you know i do it because i need to do it but um i will say most recently i have started this peloton thing i'm not a cyclist either i normally don't ride bikes but 
I am in love with the Peloton. So <laughs> it is a true passion. I get up early in the morning to do it. I never thought I would say that. There's like all these instructors and classes and the energy is great. And now I'm finding that there's other friends on Peloton. And so I can't even believe that I have become that, that, that cycling person, but I guess I have. <laughs> um, the good news is that I can do it in the comfort of, uh, you know, my small space and uh, during these times and, and still manage not to kind of go crazy. So that's truly become a new, a new passion I have. Um, on the flip side, I think, you know, and on a serious note, there is something that just recently I've started to get more in tune to and, and start to track and, and get a little bit more. And I'm, I'm curious about getting more involved in. So it's a newer thing. And it's um, the EB Research Foundation. So epidermolysis bullosa is a pretty horrible uh, genetic condition that uh, it's a genetic disorder that affects many people around the globe. And basically, you know, you have a gene where you like the proteins that kind of are able to bind your skin together. And, you know, there's a little campaign um, for all the, the kids, unfortunately, and adults that have this condition. And it's just horrific. It, it, you know, the lack of this protein causes your skin to, you know, bleed a lot. To, there, it can affect your internal organs. It's just a really challenging disease. And so I know right now, because we don't know a lot about it, there's several different research initiatives um, that are ongoing as a part. So, you know, that's a nearer term uh, cause that I am supporting through my voice, which you're hearing now, but also I uh, hope to support a, a bit more of because it's just one of those that um, once I started to read more about it and think about the patients that suffer from it and the fact that there really isn't a treatment, um, it just became so, so horrific and so touching uh, that I felt like, you know, it's something that we really I couldn't ignore. So I'm looking forward to getting more involved, both myself and my husband and, uh, and others. Uh, that's that's a really nice thing and I have to say I mean I I personally not not heard about that before and I suspect there'll be you know it's the same for for many listeners and when we when we do the show notes for this uh, this episode we'll certainly put links to to any websites that you want us to link to so if, that you know for, so if people can go and find find out more about it and and how they can help and yeah, so thanks thanks for bringing that to our attention and and you know my final question is just around you know is there anything else that any other comments or requests for the audience? And, you know, it's been a, uh, you know, fabulous 30, 40 minutes talking with you as usual. And if there's anything else that you wanted to say to to the, the guys and girls listening to the show. No, look, I'm, I think it's a, a great podcast. You're getting kicked off here and started. And um, look, I, I think if I don't know about other folks, I know I typically put on a good podcast when I'm doing errands, which these days uh, isn't really happening a lot. So maybe you can take a break while you're eating lunch or doing whatever to uh, to listen to this podcast. And I hope for someone out there listening that it's uh, it's been enjoyable and maybe just had a couple of lessons. I know I certainly have many podcasts I subscribe to to uh, to try to do the same. So that would be my hope and goal. And uh, Ramon, just really want to say thanks. So you've uh, you've been an awesome host. Oh, thank you. Thank you too, Joel. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. And, uh, you know, we wish you all the best uh, during this kind of COVID crisis. And uh, yeah, share share the episode and, you know, stay in touch in terms of, you know, keeping us, keeping the podcast live and sharing it amongst your, your colleagues and friends. Sounds great. Thanks, Ramon. Cheers. Take care, Joel. again thanks so much for tuning in to molecule to market we hope you enjoyed today's episode you can find more shows on spotify apple podcast or wherever you like to listen 
Get in touch with us on our website, moleculetomarketpod.com and follow us on LinkedIn or Twitter and we will see you again next week. Molecule to Market is sponsored and funded by Remarketing, an international content, digital, and design agency that helps companies get noticed, raise profile, and generate leads in life sciences.